Yo, what's up, Cultureaholics? What's up, Cultureaholics? It's your boy, Micah, and I'm here. As you know, we are on break, uh, getting ready and preparing for season two. Bigger and better things coming in season two. But I am sitting on this uh, conversation that I had with my good friend, Ed Spates, Edward Spates, amazing lawyer. He's my lawyer. Uh, he got me off of some, you know, some stuff. Anyways, y'all will hear about that in this interview, but I want y'all to go ahead and make sure that you listen to this interview. One thing that I've noticed about y'all, when we have interviews that's going to actually help you and make you learn something, sometimes y'all don't listen, and I need y'all to listen, all right? It can't be all about the drama and what's going on in the uh, <laughs> in pop culture, so what I want y'all to do is go ahead and listen while you're at it, okay? So like I said, we got season two coming up, so while you're at it, what I need you to do is this, okay? <laughs> what I need you to do is this. I need y'all to uh, go ahead and leave a rating and a review. If you are listening to this, if you have ever consumed our content, enjoyed our content, if this content has helped you through your day, what I need you to do is leave a rating and a review because that's going to help us. Uh, that's going to help us pop up in this algorithm. That's going to help us when people are finding us because we really, really, really want to grow the show for season two. Speaking of season two, if you want to sponsor us, just hit the link, right? I'm going to have a link where you can go ahead and do all that. So all of that is going to be in the show notes. All right. That's all I got. Okay. That's all I got. I hope, I hope, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you guys are having an amazing October. I miss you guys. I miss you guys. I miss you guys. Hit me up over on uh, Instagram at it's Micah B or at combos for the culture. Hit me up. Talk to me. Tell me how you feeling. Tell me how you're doing. Let's do it. Let's get to the show, y'all. Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to Convos for the Culture, where we run to the conversation that everybody else runs from. It's your host, the podcast, Poppy, a.k.a. Mr. Conversations for the Culture himself, my brother. And I'm super excited today because we have an amazing uh, guest on the show today. Without this guest, I might be in jail right now. Um, so <laughs> well, t- I'll tell you about that story later, but uh, I want to welcome Ed Spates to the show. How are you feeling this morning? What's going on? Hold on. Y'all going let to let him get through with that podcast poppy real smooth. What's good? <laughs> <laughs> How y'all doing? What's going on? Glad to be here. Um, man, I'm just so proud of everything that you're doing. And, you know, let's get right into it. It's going to be a conversation like. So before we get into it, um, real quick, can you let the people know who you are, what it is that you do? Just a little snapshot about yourself. Just briefly, um, I'm a criminal defense attorney here in Chicago. Uh, I opened up my own firm, uh, SOS Legal Services. Uh, we've been open for almost two years, about a year, over a year and a half right now. And uh, concentrating pretty much on, you know, criminal uh, law. We do a little personal injury. I had started off doing real estate just to get money, but. Mm. It's so busy right now with with criminal that right now we're just concentrating on criminal and personal injury right now. Okay, um, so you started, so you've always been in the criminal defense, right? Okay, uh, so, yeah. When I first got out of uh, law school about six years ago, I was with a small firm. I was with them for a couple of years. Then I uh, went to a PD's office for over a year and then I went back to another private firm and I think that firm helped me uh just understand the business aspect of running your own firm you know like a lot of times we know the law we know different things but we don't know how to actually get money and I think mm. uh, 
being there helped me understand how to accumulate money and accumulate, you know, your name because you are your brand. And that's what really helped me and allowed me and just faith in God and stepping out on faith and allow me to push forward right now. All right. Um, we're going to get into a lot today. But before <laughs> we do, before we do, uh, we're going to do an icebreaker real quick. And this is Black Car Revoked. It's a game that we play on here um, where my guests tell me what's one thing or two, whatever it may be, that will get their Black Card Revoked. So yeah. what will get your Black Card Revoked, Ed? I hate grits. I hate grits. I despise grits. Like literally, they just I can't can't swallow it. So when here <laughs> pause. But uh when I um look <laughs> kid, I had went over my auntie's house and everybody's outside playing and she made these thick grits. And so everybody at the table, like, I can't eat that. And she was like, You can't get up from the table and this was like nine mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning. You can't get up from the table until you eat these grits. And I had to stay there all day because I, I tried. It just wouldn't, you know, and like five o'clock, I wound up giving them to like the dog. The dog finally came. I was able to sneak in and give them to the dog. And that was it. I never, I can't eat them. Just, no matter who makes them, I can't. I love them, but I feel that. I feel that. Um, it's definitely <laughs> a texture and a taste to grits. Oh, uh, people put sugar and all jelly and I, I don't care. Oh, it's still <laughs> grits. It's still not it. And it's base. So it's just. Nah. That's so toxic, though, that black folks, um, we used to do that. Like, oh, you can't leave the table yeah. until you eat this. That's trauma. That's trauma. I never want to eat them. I'll go right back there. That was freaking over 30-something years ago. I still remember it like it was yesterday. Like, no, nah, I would never. Not for great. My pops did that with me with a bowl, a big old bowl of beans. It was like, you can't leave here. And then I ended up going, having to go to sleep. And then the next morning for breakfast, he made me eat them beans. What type of beans? I don't even know. Poverty beans. It was Poverty like... beans. More black eyed peas or not, not a bean. Uh, them pinto beans. Yes, pinto beans. Pinto beans. With just a little bit, and then with the fat back in it, and it was just like, uh. no, no. no. But, okay, okay, yeah, that might get your black car revoked. I'll let the people, uh, <laughs> uh, we so if you all are listening on Spotify, that will be the poll this week so just answer that poll if you think that's what that is all right so let's get into it okay uh criminal defense lawyer the first thing i'm going to ask you i'm just going to say it what do you say to people who tell you why are you defending people who you know that's guilty now i know there's a lot of people who aren't guilty we know that especially <laughs> black people in america but at the same time if you know somebody got like two bodies on them um and you know that you know that you know how can you um represent them not only how can you represent them because i know this is a question that's asked but then when people know that you're also a christian how do you navigate that world it's the same world um that's how i was going to initially answer your question um i'm really a man of faith and i really believe that you know if god can know about my past and everything that i did and still forgive me you know, how can I look at somebody else for whatever situation that they've been through and judge them and not give them what they actually need in that situation? It's a reason why we're put in certain situations. It's a reason why we're born. I really feel I was born to really, you know, stand in a gap for a lot of different people. Um, you know, and then everybody's entitled to adequate legal representation, regardless of what happened, regardless of what I've and being being in this business, what I've learned, no matter how much sense it makes or doesn't make a person has a reason for what they did something 
no matter in, in their own mind, they have a reason for what they did. So I mean, it's, it's very, very rare that it's just a random act of something. It's a reason, a rationale behind it. And, you know, you know, sometimes they didn't do it. Sometimes they did, but it's not for me to judge. It's for me to do my job and give them adequate legal representation. And I think, you know, God, you know, he gives us so many chances in our lives and things that we've done that we're not proud of. We don't we don't want to talk about, but God still loves us. We're still here. We're still alive when certain situations we shouldn't even be alive. And so I think about that, like as a Christian, you know, how are we so judgmental to other people? But we want God to give us grace for our mistakes. And that's, that's my life. That's my ministry. All ministries are not inside of the, of the church. You know, some people need help in real life. And this mm-hmm. is this is ministry out here every single day, you know, changing people's lives and just hearing a thank yous or you actually believed in me or you actually saved my life or you gave me another chance because it's real when people facing time. Everybody it's like this. T, t, people have this. <laughs> imagination of what it's like oh this is jail this is jail no walk in jail and see what it's like and Mm -hmm. see the stuff that people are going through on a day-to-day basis and then tell that person oh you facing 10 years you facing 30 years you facing the rest of your life away from your family um they need help so Mm. we're gonna get in it yeah you're definitely doing the work um so this is a good transition so for those of you all don't know ed got me off of these really ridiculous trumped up um there was what felony disturbance battery of a police officer crap i'm like come on now come on come on yeah so basically what happened it was a george floyd protest i was out there um so i was out there shooting um and when I say shooting y'all, I mean with my with my with my camera. Clarify, okay. clarify. <laughs> Let me clarify. Uh, I was shooting um, with my camera out there, and um, long story short, a young lady who goes to, who went to our church, I like, I don't know how I knew. Well, I know now how I knew uh, because before I even went over there, um, like I was like, yo, there's something going on over there, right? Going on over here in this uh, in this crowd, and I just heard commotion, and then I heard people like let her go let her go let her go so when i went walked around i said i gotta go so i was with two other people from our church and i was like hey y'all um let me go see what's going on over there so i went over there and then i see this girl being yanked back and forth right back and forth one side was the police the other side was the crowd and i was like i asked the police officer i said hey is she being apprehended is she being under put under arrest he says no i said okay so I told her, I said, hey, grab my arm, follow me, let's get you somewhere safe. So she's grabbing, she grabs my arm. Next thing I know, there's a <laughs> there's an arm around my neck, right? On Ooh. the back of my neck. And then they're pulling me. I look back and it's the police officer. So keep in mind, I have her hand with one hand and I had my camera in, the, in my left hand. So there's nothing more I could do than I let her go. And then I put my hands up because I already know what the deal is, right? So once again, there's a camera in my hand. There's not too much battery that I could be doing with my hands up and a camera <laughs> in my hand. Yeah. All the time, there's another person. Thank God there were some people with like footage or whatever. Um, and he's like, let him go. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. Let him go. Um, this whole time, they're choking me. They're like, I'm like, what am I being arrested for? He's like, oh, obstruction of justice, disturbing the peace, blase, blase. Um, then it was like three or 
four cops that really were like um, grabbing me up, scooping me up. I asked another cop. I said, "What am I? What are y'all? What are y'all apprehending me for?" He was like, "Actually, I have no idea." His exact words was, "Actually, I have no idea." Mm-hmm. Long story short, y'all, um, they had me in the back of the paddy wagon for like two hours. Um, I didn't know what was going on. There was obviously trauma points even sitting back there because it's hot. I'm like, what's going on? And then I think about people like Freddie Gray, who literally died in the back of a vehicle. I think of people like Sandra Bland. I'm like, yo, they could say anything, do anything. This is wild. Um, You know, I spent the night over, uh, you know, spent the night locked up or whatever. And then I just had to face these charges. Um, And with COVID COVID going on, the pandemic and everything, this lasted a good year and a half, probably, right? Yeah. Um, And then they just kept, oh, we'll go from a felony charge to misdemeanor charge. And then misdemeanor charge to, oh, if you say you did it, then you can get, you know, off time serve and then it went down to community service and have it all the charges dropped anyways so yeah. i said that all to say y'all this was a long 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 process ed helped me out which it was a super you know super huge blessing but i feel like and you could speak more to this ed i feel like other people who were in this situation like me I worked for myself at the time so it was easy for me to make these different court dates and everything but like i feel like people who have a job, who cannot continue to take off, who can't afford a good lawyer, right? Who can't afford a good lawyer, they would just be like, okay, well, I'll just say I did it and take the little time. Um, Is that how the justice system works for us as black people, but more more specifically black people in underserved communities? That's such a a tough question, but it's, it's, I see it every day and it's tough. It's tough because you see, and, and that that's part of the reason I wanted to become an attorney. You know, I, I've seen that growing up, you know, growing up in Chicago and seeing that, you know, a lot of people just take pleas because they don't want to, they don't want to fight it. They don't believe that, you know, they actually have the right help or they're getting the right advice. And it's tough. Like a lot of times, and I, I'll play devil's advocate. A lot of times the state attorneys don't really look at a case until it's time for trial because mm-hmm. they have so much on their, their docket they really don't really go into like what's going on in the case until it's time for trial. Uh, you have public defenders that, you know, and I was a public defender for a while. It's just, you do it. Sometimes you have so many things that you have to deal with. You, you're not able to give a person that one-on-one attention as much as they would like. And so a lot of times stuff is getting pushed back. Um, and, and they're not really getting the service that they really need. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. What, and I've heard from people a lot of times what they want people to do is just the plea. Once you plead, get your case off the docket. All right, I have my conviction. You know, so it's when you actually start applying pressure and like, you know what, you know, in your situation, um, it was trash. It was trash. And I'm like, I'm I'm trying to let them understand, like, yo, you really want to go to trial on this? You really want to do this? You really want to lose that trial because you really don't have anything. You don't have any. And then the video evidence that's actually there, it doesn't show what you're talking about. And like a lot of right. times. You know, it's uh, it's our job as criminal defense attorneys to try to let them know, like, this is not worth the time. It's different cases that we could be spending time on and fighting. This is not one of them. And so I, I'm, I just, I, I really just want to applaud you for just being patient because a lot of times, you know, you're like, I'm tired of these court cases. I'm, I'm tired of dealing with this, and you being patient is like resulted in, in that not being on your record. And so that is a lot of time I try to explain to people, but I can't force people to do anything. You know, I can give advice, 
And, you know, I had a situation um, a couple of months ago. I had a client. He's he was in jail and, and we'll talk about it. So he was in jail. He had a bond. He just couldn't afford the bond to get out. His case was very good. They really wanted to get him on something else, but he couldn't afford. I think the bond was probably like three thousand a post. And so he spent eight months in jail. He had a, an amazing case, amazing case. I feel like, yo, this should go to trial. I want this to go to trial, but he just was ready to come home. They offer him something where he'll be able to come home within a month. And so he wound up taking that. And sometimes that's how the justice system works, where they got their conviction and my client, he wanted to come home and came home. But, you know, I, I feel like it wasn't fair. And so that's that's the fight that we do as different attorneys. That's the fight that we have every day. Well, I definitely appreciate the work that you're doing. It's needed. We need more of that. Um, quick question, another little icebreaker, right? Let's say, God forbid this ever happens, but okay. if you were, um, this is a new segment that we're premiering actually this season, this new season, and it's going to be this or that, okay? Yeah. This or that. So let's say you have to go to trial for something. Would you rather have Annalise Keaton? Uh, yeah, would you rather have her defending you or would you rather have Philip Banks presiding over your case with the decision. Mm. See, we didn't see a lot of Philip Banks actually making decisions mm. in Fresh Prince. Like he had a little, he wasn't really, I didn't really see him making, I'll have Annalise Keaton because I know yep. she a, she's a dog. And I know regardless of who this, the judge doesn't really, and especially in trials, they don't really have that much power. They're more like referees. Mm. They want to make sure you're staying within the guidelines of the rules of right. law. And, you know, they'll make determinations on what's able to come in and what's able to come out. But as far as the case, you know, talking to the jury, Annalise Keaton, I know the, the amount of work that she's going to put in, that time, that effort, and then how she's going to persuade the jury. I want her. You know, Yeah, she's she she definitely knows her, knows her yeah. stuff. Definitely knows yeah. her stuff. Um, so speaking of how to get away with murder and other lawyer shows like that, how accurate are they? They, I, I think a lot of shows are accurate. You know, I love uh, the Lincoln lawyer. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's really a reflective of especially criminal defense attorneys and, and private practice. Um, some shows aren't because you got to understand too the legal process, and you you saw it firsthand. It's uh, a lot of times it's very drawn out yes. and. In these episodes, you got 45 minutes to an hour to really get the story put together, come together and come up with a nice little bow on it. So it's I think I love them because they give people an insight behind the wall of what it's like being an attorney. It encourages people to actually want to go to law school and be a part of the profession. But for people that's like on the jury or people that's coming in really novice about the law, it kind of hurts because it's like, oh, um, I didn't see this on TV. You know, it wasn't like this on the show. When you, right. put, if you, have you ever been on the jury? Yes, I have. Okay. So if, when you're, when you're there at the jury, you're like, okay, I'm expecting this big grandiose, you know, presentation. I want this. I want the action. I want the drama. And a lot of times it's just talking. Not it's, not <laughs> right. that. it's not that, you know, my job as a criminal defense attorney, I want to play up to that. So if we're on trial. I'm going to give you what you want. But everybody doesn't do that. You know, right. it's it's kind of that give and take. So so shows that I think that were really 
that were fun to watch. Kind of, I used to love Law and Order. I used to love Law and Order. So um, it's funny before you go on. Uh, my our producer Lizzie, she makes fun of me because Law and Order is like my favorite show. It's it's just so good. I love Law and Order. I've seen like all of it. I I used to I love used to love Law and Order. I think that that was you know especially I think in New York and some other places it was really accurate on a day-to-day basis i know they had to speed up stuff but like on a day-to-day basis um i liked what else lincoln lawyer i love you know my cousin benny i like that movie i i loved um what's the movie with keanu reeves uh i love lincoln lawyer the movie and the tv show but the keanu reeves movie was it the devil's advocate I believe so. I think that was, I think I love that movie. The old just school for, movie, right? The old school movie, yeah. That yeah. was actually, I like that movie because it's, it's kind of like the unspoken thing with a lot of criminal, but not a lot, some criminal defense attorneys, like they would do anything to win mm-hmm. and everything is not ethical. And so you got, you have to make sure like you're resolved in who you are. Like I want to win, I'm going to fight for my client, but I'm not going to do anything that's illegal. And then, like sometimes, sometimes a win is, you know, not always a win in trial. Sometimes it's a plea. Sometimes it's, you know, getting a win on a, let's say if you've been charged with first degree murder and assault, you know, I just find you get, we get the uh, guilty on assault and not first degree murder. Like that's a win too. Like, you know, so you, you're finding your own wins in criminal defense. That's so dope. So what's going to happen? We're going to take a real quick break. Okay. Um, pay some bills and then when we come off of the break there's a couple of things i want to talk to you about i want to talk about tory lanes a little bit and <laughs> let's get it i want to talk about the purge law um and i want to talk about just um where we're at with like the decriminalization of marijuana because that's a big uh discussion especially in our community so we're going to be talking about that when we get back off the break you all are listening to combos for the culture we will be back after this Hi, my name is Nile. Alongside my brother, Corey L. Scott, we are the co-founders of the Jasui Nile Mutual Aid Collective. The major focus of the collective will be the Mutual Aid Fund, and its primary mechanism is to provide financial support to Black and Brown, LGBTQIA plus folk who find themselves experiencing hardship with regard to essential needs, including, but not limited to, food or housing insecurity, as well as health care and safety needs. The Jasui Mutual Aid Collective mission is to provide the resources to bridge gaps and provide relief where we can. If you are looking to be a sponsor or a contributor, please visit us at opencollective.com backslash jasuinaili-ma. Jasuinaili is spelled J-E-S-U-I-S-N-I-I-L-E-E. I can be located on all social media platforms as Jasuinaili. Hope to hear from you soon. Please contact us at our website listed above. Thank you so much. Bye. All right, y'all. So y'all know that siren. That is the Purge siren. Basically, the Purge is a movie, a series of movies and television shows now that basically on one day of the year, um, people are allowed to do whatever they want and there's no <laughs> there's no consequences. Now, a little while ago, they started talking about the purge law that's going on in Chicago. That's gonna be happening January 1st, I wanna say 2020, 
three. Um, and now, you know, we're a couple of months away from that. And there's a lot of people on the internet. And this is why you can't get all your news from the internet, y'all, because y'all read something and then y'all start tweeting it out. And then everybody's like, see, this is why I moved from Chicago because they're doing this. So can you <laughs> can you talk to me, Ed, since you are actually in law and you know about this stuff um, and it's not just what you heard? What is this purge law that everybody's talking about? So honestly, it's uh, it's propaganda that's coming from a lot of different people. Um, it's called the Safety Act. And so what's going on with it, just in layman's terms, is uh, they're getting rid of the bond system. So in Illinois, you have a system where uh, the judge can determine on a defendant like what type of bond this person would need to get out of jail. Sometimes they'll get a recognizance bond where they don't need to pay anything. Um, they can get like a percentage bond. We call it D bond where uh, the judge can set a bond for $100,000 D and they pay 10000 to get out. Um, or they might have to pay the entire amount of that to get out. Or they could file a petition for a no bond and that person to get no bond and have to stay in jail. So with this safety act, we're getting rid of the bond system. The judge can decide if this person should get out or stay in. That's what's going on. It's no purge thing, no purge law. Like everybody's getting out. They had like this false thing of, well, if you charged with this, you can't be locked up. Like that's not true. So so this yeah. part right there. So the whole, if you have like a domestic dispute, a domestic violence, because I heard that DV, you would be able to get out for that. So again, this is, and we're still learning how the, so you have different counties and different judges are going to interpret the law, how they interpret it. Um, right. Honestly, this is, this is just my opinion. I think it's going to be harder to get out of jail than it is to, to than it, than it is now because it's going to be completely up to the judge and like that person's background. So like if you have a horrible background and you get some new charge or whatever, the judge can feel like you're a threat to society and leave you in jail. Like, oh yeah, you got a DV, but you got a, a history of guns, history of violence, history like I'm going to leave you in jail. So we're still going to figure out how they're going to do it. Um, I think it's going to be harder. Like right now, people can get out of jail if a judge decides that they're going to give you a bond. Um, they're going to give you a bond. You can get out if you got money. So like, you could have shot somebody. Just like, you know what? I'm just going to give you a $500,000 bond. That person could be on the street. The issue, and I spoke about it a little bit earlier, I had a client on a simple, it was a drug case. And again, he couldn't post that $3,000. Never had really any background. Never really did anything wrong that was dangerous to somebody else. They, he couldn't post that bond, so he had to spend that time in jail. Those type of cases where, like, you know what? This person should be out of jail, should be able to work, should be able to fight their case while they're on the outside. And so that's those are what the Safety Act was intended for, trying to help those type of people. You shouldn't be locked up in jail just because you don't have money. That's the right. basis of it. If you don't have money, you should not be forced to be locked up, you know, for crimes that other people are are, are being let out for. So this um, is actually helpful. Yeah, it's actually helpful. In theory, it's helpful. It's then how is it going to be applied? Mm. How is it going to be applied? I I question why it's so much backlash and where it's coming from. Like, mm. you know, we talk about prison systems and things like that. Like, why are it such a rush to try to get? It's been proven we have one of the highest incarceration rates in the entire world, but yet we have one of the highest crime rates. Mm. Like, is Prison really the answer? Is putting people, poor people in jail really the answer? 
And still, and then you start looking at, I'm no economist, I don't know everything, but people make money off of prisons. Yeah. People, like they're privatized. Where is this work? Like who is making money off of prison? Why is prison systems on a stock market? Like these are just different things that you're asking on a on a bigger level, but just for Illinois and Chicago, um, honestly, I think it is gonna help people. Hopefully, I think it's gonna help people that, especially with lower level crimes, be able to get out of jail, able to work, able to you know make some type of life while they're fighting this case. Just because you're charged with something doesn't mean you did something. Doesn't mean you're guilty, and you should not be forced to waste so many months of your life behind bars especially for something that you didn't do. Mm. So I'm, I'm hoping that it helps. Um, we'll see. Uh, you know, it, January 1st is going to be very different for a lot of attorneys, for people. You know, a lot of attorneys, I do it too, we we get paid off of bonds. So mm. a, we'll take a bond. Like sometimes a person, you know, they may not have any money, but they pay, you know, a couple thousand to get out on a bond. And get out of jail. We're like, you know, we'll take that bond and we'll do that case on that bond. So now it's no more bonds. They're going to have to hire an attorney out of their own pocket. That money that you spent for a bond that a judge would have gave you, you want a private attorney, you're going to have to pay more so out of pocket. You know, one thing I do, I know a few other people that do, I take a, if I'm going to do a bond, I need an initial deposit up front too. You right. know, like just, you know, we got we to gotta eat too. And we're going to be doing a lot of work. So I need a deposit up front. And right. then, you know what, if you want to pay the rest out of that bond, let's work out something. But you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a new life. January first, it's gonna be it's gonna be different. So we're still adjusting. I know a few um, educational things that's gonna be happening over the next couple of months, where judges and different people are gonna explain how they're gonna, you know, apply that law. But mm -hmm. we'll see in theory, and we'll see how it works um, in real life. Have any PPP scammers uh, come to you yet asking for help? No, I don't. <laughs> I have not got that. Like I just, I haven't got that. Like I, I, I wonder okay. if that's like a financial um, situation. I don't know how they're charging that. I haven't got any. Because I know they're trying to crack down on them and uh, get that. I, I just saw that. I just saw it. So I just saw it on a couple of um on a, on Instagram that like they're coming after these PPP scammers. I was, I was just, I was trying to stay away from it. I'm like, man. <laughs> I never trust. They thought all they giving out free money and doing this and doing. I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna apply for none of that. That's and, not. We from Chicago, so we already know people who'd be like, "Hey, bro, uh, you know, you if you slide me one thousand, I can flip it to yeah. thousand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like they gonna eventually. So my wife, she's a tax attorney. One thing she okay. said, like, they're gonna come back for that money. But the banks, yeah. even your bank is gonna be like, hold up, bro, because you usually sitting around like this little money and now you got 10k in your bank already like, 10k in your bank like what business do you have what employees <laughs> do you have and right. oh, you, you going on trips with that money okay yeah you know, on trips come back buying, buying seafood boils so like, at, when, the, at the gucci store when i tell yeah. you like on north avenue i'm like gucci store and, and louis vuitton and all this getting sold out that's what you're doing see what would have been right. smart was if all you right. were going to steal that money what would have been smart is take that money and then actually invest it in a business and start in a business. So now you have a legit business. What it's for, for helping out. But I don't know. We'll see. I love my people, but sometimes. We do the most. Um, um, so I want to talk about now switching lanes a little bit because this is important too. Um, 
especially since we're in Chicago, the home of drill music, right? Okay. Um, let's talk about the Fulton County uh, down there in Georgia, right? Fulton County uh, DA um, and her persistence. So it's uh, the district attorney down there is Fannie Willis. Uh, and basically she's the one who um, is coming at Young Thug, who put Young Thug in prison, who put uh, who locked up Gunna, uh, other YSL members, and she's targeting the rappers who rap about violence. Um, mm -hmm. She's targeting the rappers who like, hey, yeah, we went and robbed this person and we killed him, right? Because they put that stuff in their lyrics. Um, is this fair now that attorneys are like bringing up RICO charges and um, they're looking at people's music as a way to convict them of crimes? That's another multi-level question okay. um i'll say this i don't i think that us in america we're supposed to have a freedom of speech and mm -hmm. they say you know different things but we're also you know we're, we're not supposed to commit crimes and then talk about it on things so we we come and you talk about drill music in atlanta but you know we're originated here in chicago where yeah. you know and i have a few clients that you know are drill rappers like when you are in a certain lifestyle, when you're already being um, attached to certain things and police are already having investigations out on you and you're involved in and in documented gang member, and then, you know, you're involved in stuff. And so people don't really even know what's going on until you drop a CD or a video detailing what happened in a situation is relevant to what's going on with the case. You're, you're in essence giving the, you know, prosecutor and the detectives, you know, an idea of what's happening. All they have to do is piece it together. So if I put you on trial, like Micah, if you, you know, you charged with shooting somebody, but I mean, somebody said, oh, I think Micah shot somebody, but nobody really know anything. Then you come up, you drop a combos for the culture. Yeah, you know, so-and-so was talking. I shot him on, you know, on 29th or on, on, on New Year's Eve and, you know, skip him. And you're like, hold on, you know, we're bringing that into evidence because- right. This is detailing everything that ha allegedly happened on that date. Yeah, he rapped about it. Yes, yeah, a medium of art. Yeah, he's making money and that's his job, but it's very relevant to what allegedly happened on that date. And so that's what's going on. It's like, all right, in regards to the RICO, um, it's, it's an issue where I can't prove one incident happening by one person. The only thing I have to prove is that this is an organization and they're all involved in illegal activity. And so now I can piece together stuff to get everybody. It's really hard to, to win those type of cases because you're going to have confidential informants. You're going to have people that write statements and, and are cooperating witnesses with the government. Because, you know, if you're targeting the top gunner, young thug, and I'm just the lower level who can't even really afford a, a private attorney. And, you know, everybody's facing 25, 30 years. If you come to me and like, you know what, if you snitch and if you saw a young thug do this, this and that, I give you a year. People going to snitch. It, it, it's, it's really everybody's not making that type of money. Everybody not doing that. So, all right, I'm getting all the lower level people so that I can get the, the target of the investigation. So it's really tough. Like you unless you're like a super crime mafia family. And even then, that's what it was bought and instituted to take down the mafia. Mm hmm. Everybody, uh, people gonna snitch. So it's really hard. Um, as far as Atlanta, 
and and music, I think that it's been such a, and I, I don't know, I'm not from Atlanta, but I think it's been such an influx of crime because a lot of people like migrated to Atlanta. That's what I was gonna say too. It's not, yeah, it's definitely not. It's people get in trouble in Chicago, people get in trouble in New York, people get in trouble in New Orleans, people get in trouble in Florida, and they go to Atlanta, and then they, they go to Atlanta. Yeah, and they're bringing the same stuff they was doing up there to Atlanta. Yeah, and so like they're you know they're looking for something or some way to try to curb the violence that's going on, and I, I guess that's what they want to do. Like, all right, we want to take down. Maybe it's a, and this is you can like like chime in on this. Maybe it's like a indictment on like our culture. You know, we idolize a lot of things, and one of the things we've idolized is the violence in our music. We like we promote. You know, we're against this violence. We're we're against a lot of stuff, but then like we we promote these artists and these rappers and they are the people that we want to be like they're the people that everybody want to be with they're the people that it's like you know what i want my kids to be like them and so it's like a perpetual like it's, it's a cycle of like all right since we're these are the people that we want to be like we're listening to their music we want to emulate it uh we need to find a way to stop it because that's, that's real because we'll yeah, that's real because they'll play the radio will play a song like one, two, three, four, shoot them in the head, yeah. shoot them in the head, and then they'll be like, Y'all, we gotta stop, we gotta stop, stop the stop violence, violence. yeah, stop the violence. You're like, My, my, you know, your little kid, your four or five year old, you listen to the radio, and it's nothing but like sex, murder, drugs, and then it's like, All right, our community is ravaged with you know, underage children, uh, getting pregnant, murder, and drugs. Is it art imitating life or life imitating art? Yeah, and it's crazy because they're talking about like you got kids now. Um, even people, I always say across the neighborhood when I'm talking about the white folks, but like they're talking about spinning the block. Like literally spinning the block is the act of a yeah. drive-by. Yeah. Um, you got some people talking about ops, which that's not like ops. What do you know about ops? You're you're 11 years old. You don't you don't have no ops, right? Um, you live in white suburbia and you talking about your op. So it's definitely, we definitely glorify the music. We glorify it. Um, and I understand that there's a difference. I feel like there's a difference between you telling your story about where you've been, because I think that we still, I think that has a place in music, especially hip hop, right? So if you come from the streets, if you come from, if you come from the mud, if you come from the gutter, like I feel like you should be able to talk about your experience, as they say, in the trenches, but not glorify it at the same time. I feel like a lot of the music is glorifying it and literally saying, hey, if you roll up on me, I'm going to roll up on you. Uh, the last person who rolled up is six feet under. Like They go into details. It's, it's a difference between, and I feel like you telling your testimony to get to success mm -hmm. and you rolling up an op pack are you oh. talking about you know somebody that you just shot last week it's a total difference it's a or total another rapper dies and then you make a song about it like it's it's a this is it's become demonic disrespectful rap it's mm -hmm. it's very demonic to the point i'm not i don't know when the shift happened you know like it went from like gangster rap to you know we had like a party dance era and it yeah. went to, you know you know, back to gangster rap, but then it got disrespectful drill rap. And then it's like, all right, 
it's a game. I remember, and then growing up, like people who did that type of stuff, they did it for like, you know, money. They did it for territory. They did it for, you know, different. It's not even even gangs. It's block, it's block by block in Chicago. You know, yeah. did it for different that. But now it's just it's literally a game. It's a game. I need to be one up on some on my opponents. It's one up, and it's I know people that oh, I was just walking. I saw my op, and I just shot him. I'm just like what? Like it was no, it was no, it was nothing like forethought. Like I was just this person. I don't even really know this person. I know he a part of that group. That's my op, and I just shot him. I'm like all right, bro. Like this is not. We talked about that a while ago on this show. There was a um, couple months back, and then like social media comes into play as well because like this dude was into it with somebody on his Instagram live, and he's like, "Pull up on me," and they pulled up on him five minutes later and killed him. So this this is the dumbest thing. This is me talking. Whoever listens to this, don't you ever drop your location. I don't understand that. I don't under. I've never understood that. Like, mm-hmm. why would you drop your location? So now. Somebody knows where you're at. You don't know when they're going to come get you, but they know where you're at. So they could just scope out, and now you're just a target. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make you tough. Like, oh, drop your, I'll drop my location. Come find me. I don't care about it. I ain't scared of nothing. No. Right. That, that's just, it's just. It's <sighs> I don't know. I'm never I dropping know. my low. Um, never. Even, I'm even like, I don't got ops. It's not that I know of, right? <laughs> but, but, like, I'm even being more intentional with if I go out somewhere, I'm not really going to post about where I was until like the next day, just because mm-hmm. we don't know who's out here. Like there's, we talked about the mental health piece. There's a lot of people who are mentally disturbed and yes. a lot of y'all out here. And I'm going to ask you this before we shift. Um, y'all posting money, a bunch of money, a bunch of drugs on your social media, like all the money you got, all the stuff you got flashing and flashing. There's people who want what you have. Yes. Um, but speaking of that, um, has people's social medias, have you seen that um, people's social media um, footprint get them in trouble and uh, work against them when always. they get in the courtroom? Always, always. Just because you, and I think if it's from Snapchat to Instagram to Twitter, you know, people think because their page is private or some, they still, somebody could just screenshot it, somebody you got into it with that you might be friends with, you don't know. Everybody doesn't know all the friends or followers that they have. So your stuff is just open. And then it's like it's right there. It's going to come in, um, you know, videos that you might be on. You might be on somebody else's stuff. So, like, you want, you might, your stuff might be private. You might not even have social media. Your friend might have social media. And they, they record you doing something like, oh, you had a red sweater on. And then, like, if a shooting happened at 1205, like, that's the same red sweater Micah had on. Let's bring that video in. Let's prove this is the sweater that he had on. Like, it's people don't understand we live in such a social media age. But if you're out here doing dirt, you can't post dirt that you're doing. You know, like, I'm you literally, I got Jesus, I got clients that <laughs> that posting what they selling, posting guns that they got, posting, you know, lean that they selling. And I'm just like, that's big on social media. <laughs> That's big on social media. I'm like, you're gonna, be, you're gonna be calling me in a couple of days. You're gonna be calling me, and then you know these guns with these switches on them. These cases going federal, so I'm getting these federal cases. Like you really don't put you putting switches on guns. Like it's literally it's, they determine it as an automatic weapon. So you're carrying an automatic weapon because it's cool. Because you hear songs like, "Oh yeah, I got a switch on my gun," and it's all this. It's 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 a lot. 
it's a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna be they keep me in business, but mm-hmm. I don't wanna I don't like repeat customers. I don't right. want repeat customers. Like, I feel like I'm not doing my job as a Christian right. if I'm not helping you and you just like, yeah, we beat this one case, but now you got another case for the same thing. Jesus. Not helping. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I remember a young kid, he was like 16, I think, 16, 17. Um, after the George Floyd I don't even want to call it a riot because I hate that word. That's a word that white people use to, but during the unrest. Unrest. Civil unrest. Civil unrest. Civil unrest. Yeah. (laughs) When they tore up the city, right? When they tore up the city, um, this kid went live with all the money that he took from an ATM that he busted open. (laughs) And then they found him. Oh, yeah. Surprisingly. People were selling people were selling like iPads and all this stuff that they bought and they had like the pictures of it in the, like they took a pictures of like, Hey, selling this laptop, Hey, selling this. And they were able to find the, like just from the picture, they were able to get the serial number. I've had a few, few cases where, you know, people were stole some stuff um, and then tried to sell it. And you understand like once they marked that as stolen, you know, like you're in possession of a stolen good. Even if yeah. you're not the one who stole it, you know, like that would be something else, but you're in possession of stolen goods. So it's like, it's it's tough. It's tough. You know, you're putting that and then they're going to put that in evidence. Well, you're on here. You know that it's stolen. You're up here selling it. If, or you, if you are recording yourself going to a store and looting, you just deserve to be in jail. Like, you, <laughs> that's what you're doing. You really just don't care. And I remember doing the, the civil unrest uh, me, my wife, a few other people, we were uh, trying to help out in our community. We were at this family dollar um, on, on Stony, and people were just coming in and out. And I'm like, "Where are the owners at? Nobody really cared. Like, yo, this is our neighborhood. Like, you not the one over there on like 80th or something? Yeah. So we, yep. we were over there, and we was like, we actually we we and a few other people we like locked the store up and made sure people stop coming in and looting. Like, this our neighborhood. Like, y'all really... And what pissed me off is, like, people coming from other neighborhoods to come loot up in this neighborhood. Like, yeah, y'all not I was irritated. Y'all that not Ken, here. They destroyed that liquor... Oh, uh, what was it? Kenwood they Liquor? They destroyed liquor. It ain't open back up. Ain't been open. Never since. opened back up. And that was, like, the one black-owned... Yeah. Like, y'all, like, y'all come over here, y'all destroy... I don't, I'm not for it, but, like, you destroy your own stuff. Like, I understand, especially, like, when you feel like you have no voice and you're upset and everything that's going on. But it's just, like, you come destroy your own stuff. Destroy their stuff. Like, I mean, like, you, what are we doing? What are we doing? And so, like, that really pissed me off. And these people, I, this one lady came up. I'll never forget this. Came up in a U-Haul truck outside of Family Dollar. Came with a U-Haul truck. And two people got out the back. And they were trying to stuff that thing. We're like, nah, you, we stop this. After she, after she had left, we locked the whole parking lot down, locked the store down. And I'm just like, it's just, I don't get that. It man. was, it was crazy. Um, the fu- the craziest thing, cause um, I literally, so I got out of jail that morning. So mm. they took it to that area the very next day, cause the first day of protest, or yeah, of whatever it was, the looting and all of that, that was downtown, and then. Mm. Lori raised the bridges and we are that's that's another story. Yeah. So then they came to like the different neighborhoods and they were all up and down stone, pretty much all up and down stony. Um and I remember so I had got out of the jail that morning and I needed to go, I figured I needed to go get something. I was like gonna go to Walgreens. 
I didn't know what was happening until like I'm walking and then I see like, I was like, oh my goodness. And I'm walking past that Walgreens that's in that same area. There's people like the, the windows are smashing. People are running out with just like food and everything. There's this grandmother and she was with her grandkids. And she's like, don't forget to get my MF and medicine neighbor. And <laughs> I was just sitting there like, wait is this is this really is this really happening like <laughs> now she's sitting your grandkids in there to steal for you and again i don't you know i don't want to judge people and and, and everything no. that was going through during that time period it was a crazy time it was a lot of just raw emotions oh, and sure. just to see you know that was something that you're going to tell your grandkids about like i lived through that but mm -hmm. my issue my strongest issue was really this is our neighborhood yeah this is our neighborhood so when all this is over and it will be over who's the one that has to live in this neighborhood that they already call it a depressed community we're already in food deserts we're already not getting tax dollars our schools are crap you know like all this stuff but oh i, I got me some you know some what can you get from from family dollar i got me right. some balloons. i now, got me some, some like some stuff I get, and once again, I'm not for it, but I'm also not completely good. Like, so for the people, and I told somebody this, for the people who was at the grocery store getting food. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, at that point, at that point, what there's no other grocery stores, and you got to feed, you got to eat now, because it's nothing right. like they didn't, they didn't ransack everything. You don't know where you got to go to get some food. Right. You got to, you, you know, at that point, but I'm talking about, you know, you in your own communities, and you just, you out here just getting, you know, where they run, they ran into, they ran to every store except for surprisingly Wendy's. Wendy's didn't get hit up. Black no, people weren't touching Wendy's. Wendy's. Black people were not gonna hurt Wendy's, but every other store got knocked out. They went to Popeye's too, trying to get chicken sandwich. I'm like, oh, they, they, they was gonna ransack Popeye. I know Popeye's gonna get rocked. They rock Popeye's, <laughs> but Wendy's they get touched. People, it's always long lines at Wendy's. I wonder about that, but every other <laughs> store got hit. Yeah, it was wild. That was a that was a wild time. Um, did y'all see a lot of? Did you see a lot of? Um, probably had a lot of uh influx of casework during this whole this past two years uh i've been blessed <laughs> i've been blessed i've been blessed but uh stuff like that is that's frustrating man like because then it's like the people who were doing that are not really the people that really have money for an attorney mm. you know so i i think who really got hit was like the system and the pds and things like that you know like right. those people they're indigent, don't have any money, and then they're they need an attorney for their cases. And it's like, was it worth it for them, you know, pay their shoes or whatever you, you got from it? You know, I was watching on TV. This I'm like, this is not really your this ain't about a movement. It's just frustrating when you watching on TV and they just running at a Gucci store. Like you yes. was just waiting. Yes. You was waiting. You was just waiting. I'm like, come on. But that's what my thing was. A lot of, some of the stuff was movement based, but then a lot of the stuff was just like, like Nah, you were going to Boo Gucci store. Like, come on, man. Like they would have put a Gucci, like they went to Gucci, like it was just it was Chris All that, like, come on. But I don't know, man. I I, I um I don't know. Our, our, what what would change that? Like what if what if and all this is random, but what if we got reparations? What would that look like? how that would change would that change anything would that have generational or will we just blow it 
You know, like I think about that a lot too. I hate to say it, but <sighs> whatever. I think we would blow it. Man. Man. I think we would blow it because there's something, and even listeners, all right, breathe in, breathe out. Okay, so listeners, y'all are a part of the problem at times, and I love y'all. I love, 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 love y'all. But I did a show like a month or so ago with Nikki Saunders, a brilliant mind, right? Mm-hmm. A brilliant, brilliant mind when it comes to branding and marketing. She's worked with like Eric Thomas. She's worked with Earn Your Leisure. She's worked with Inky Johnson, like some of the biggest names right mm-hmm. out here, um, <clears throat> doing branding for them. And she spent a good hour session of her time and we just like talked, right? And a lot of the value that she gave, she could charge thousands upon thousands of dollars. And um, the, the listeners just didn't listen to it, right? Um, and I've noticed a couple of, it's, it's a trend. Whenever I bring someone on here and we're talking about like, What's going to help you get more money? What's going to help you position yourself? We want uh, Jamie Gilmore came on and she talked about, you know, pivoting and purpose and talking about like her journey as an entrepreneur. Like people don't flock to those episodes, but then they flock it to the, flock to the episodes that's drama released. Drama or trauma is like, oh, let me hear this. Let mm-hmm. me let me let me let me hear what's mm-hmm. going on. But when it's something that's going to uplift us. So I think a lot of times the community like we we want reparations. We want this. We want this. But then we don't want to do the education piece and we don't want to do the actual work. And I know it's not everybody, but I feel like there's a mindset that we have to fix first, because if you mismanage ten dollars, you're going to mismanage one hundred dollars. If you mismanage one hundred dollars you're going to mismanage $100,000. They're just more money for you to mismanage. So a lot of the times we're like, I need more money. I need more money. No, you need more discipline. You preaching. I think I'm, I'm going to go back to that why. Man, I think that it's it's been an intentional like dumbing down of society because mm-hmm. we, all we, we all we want is quick information. We want satisfaction. We want gratification instantly. And we get it from our TikTok, our Instagram, our social media. Like, I, I even took your advice. I remember. So y'all don't know. Micah gave me advice about like reels and just marketing, different things like that. And so my biggest reels or whatever were never educational. People don't give a crap about the law. Some do. But they don't really care. The ones that hit millions and did stuff like that are just just dumb reels. Mm-hmm. Just dumb somebody got into a fight or somebody failed reels. And like people, it's just, it's, it's our instant gratification culture. Um, I talk about like, you know, law school and going to be a lawyer and things like that. Like, what does that take? How much years of schooling and everything? Like, uh, how can I do that quicker? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What are we doing? Right. Like, that's, I, they, how can I get it quicker? And how can I make the most of my money as fast as I can? without doing that much work. And mm-hmm. so like, we don't understand, like sometimes that struggle is what really is gonna make you. You know, that grind, that consistency, that under that understanding, like, you know what, I put the hours in to do that. Like, no, I want that instant gratification. Like, can I just, you know, take the bar and be a lawyer tomorrow? Like, how can I do that? And that's our society right now. I don't know how to change that. I don't know how to change that. We, uh, I was on a panel a few months ago and it had a lot of brilliant minds on this panel, but it was so much. It was from people from law, 
doctor to like CEO, entrepreneurs, things like that. But the people that, you know, really got the most, I would say, questions from these kids, it's like it was for these teenagers, for a school, teenage school. The people that got the most questions were like social media influencers and like people who like sold uh, shoes, entrepreneurs, things like that. And I was just like, no shade. Fine. That's what I'm just like. You had entrepreneurs, you had doctors, you had, you know, lawyers, you had, you know, all these different people who are making very good money. But it was just like social media and the cool thing. I'm just like, all right, that's what we're teaching our kids. And that's a failure. Which you can make money in social media, right? You can. You can. But that was. That but was not it. everybody's going to make money in social media. And not fast. And not I, fast. I, you know better than me. I don't think you make fast money in social media. It's just starting. Just starting. Yeah, you don't make fast money. Um, and then it's it's a matter of it's a lot of work. It's time. You know, it's time. And that's the thing that they don't want to put in. They want boom, quick. Because just because you go viral doesn't mean that you're going to make money. Yeah. Like that's what people don't understand. You can get 400k on a video and or a million, two million on the video. That doesn't mean you're gonna, you know, you have the knowledge to uh go ahead and flip that into actually okay, how am I gonna monetize that? On the flip side, there's people who get thousand, maybe a thousand views or three hundred views, but then they can actually monetize off that because they know how to build and establish relationships. So I think a lot of kids, and it's not just kids, it's grown folks too, right? they just want this quick uh when i was in that space where i was helping people uh, people hired me right because they saw the value they saw my content they saw the engagement people have on my content they're like hey can i can you do that for me okay yeah let's work and then after a month of me being on they're like oh and paying me that's another thing we have to start talking about in our community is actually paying the people you hire but and not asking for discounts all the time ah that part that <laughs> part they would bring me on and then after a month they would be like trying to find a way not to pay me, right? Be like, oh, well, you know, this, it didn't work. Like, it didn't work this month. What do you mean it didn't work? Your insights are up. Your engagement is up. What are you expecting? You're expecting to actually invest in yourself. And then the very next day, you're making $10,000 a week on social media, $10,000 a month. Were you making that before? No, you like... I think we we got to get to a point where we manage our expectations and realize that legacy requires labor. And there we go. You, if if you want to build a legacy, that should be superimposed on the screen. You 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 got to work for it, and that's the thing. I feel like people don't work for it. They don't want to go through the process. They just want boom. Look at me. I'm here, and it's just like it's frustrating. So long story. Like circle back to your question. I feel like reparations won't matter until we fix the mindset issue. And that, I don't know how we fix that. No, I don't know. I really don't. I know this is combos for the culture, but I really don't know. It's what, what are we ingesting every day? We're ingesting social media. We're ingesting our music. We're ingesting horrible food. We're ingesting, you know, just, that toxic mindset a lot of times. And so it's like, all right, you know, it's cliche, like, okay, I'm just not going to do this. I'm going to be the person for myself to do it. But then it's like, 
sometimes it's a lonely road. Are you willing to be lonely and uncomfortable in order to, you know, make change? And that's that's what a lot of people don't want to do. And so, like, I hope through my life I can affect change with somebody else. And that's the only way we can do. We can't just give up. We can't just give up. We can't just, you know, have no hope. But like, and it's not a hundred percent of everybody. I think it's always going to be people that are, you know, you know, striving for greatness, striving to be mm-hmm. better, striving for that legacy. But then it's like, as a whole, yeah, collective. My goodness, my goodness, it's tough. What's That's, that, Monique? Um, <laughs> is this who we are? This is who we who are. We it's it's tough. It's tough, and then it's like, you know, we we idolize no shade, but we idolize Negroes like Nick Cannon, and I'm just like, bro, like that's 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 no, you're not you're not Nick Cannon. Yeah, he got money, but this dude out here with eleven babies and different, I don't know how many baby mamas, how many babies. I'm like, that's the quickest way for you to go broke. So you don't think that's that's tough. It works for him, but that's you don't tough. think that's building a legacy. What legacy you building? Because you, I don't care how much money you got, you can never put in the amount of times you need to be a father for those children. I love so that. Like, let's talk. What legacy are you building? Like, they all gonna be fighting for time for you. Mm. They're never gonna get the love that they need as a father with all them kids from different baby mom because you're not in their house. Listen, even in the Bible, uh, Jacob was it Jacob? Jacob had all them sons. All them sons, like what they fighting for? And they, still, and they were still fighting, and they lived together. So fighting for legacy and inheritance, like you really not. And so I don't, you know, I just like I don't know him. It might work for him. God bless him. But if people see that and like, you know what, I want to be like that. Yeah. That's a problem. Because you can't that's, do what he does. Because you, you can't don't do what he does. You even if you ain't got the money you make, but I don't know what you know understanding he has with the different women. But like. I know people out here. I'm like, yo, I had a conversation with this dude, 20 weird, 21 years old. I'm like, yeah, you know how many kids he got? Like an eight. How many uh, baby mamas you got? Like six. Ooh, ha- having those conversations, and I'm just like, <clears throat> I'm like, I, I, I'm real with people. I'm like, yo, you gonna wrap it up? Like, what's going on? He like, you know, it's just stuff like that, but like, as a woman, you're like, oh, are you okay with that? Right. You cool with that? Like, that's, oh, that's not working. That's not sustainable for that legacy, and it's gonna cause you stressed out. And you know, if you got the money, that's one aspect. But how are you, you know, depositing your legacy in your children? And you only do that by being available, <laughs> being there. I can't have a long distance deposit on my children if I'm not there to to cultivate that or tell them like this doesn't work. So I think that's that's another thing of our community that we have to address. We so have listening to, to that, <laughs> and that's I have that. to take the dig yeah. the internet. So listening to what you said, so would you say would you say that it's safe to say that it is just not? And I'm using quotes because this is what people say. Is it safe to say that it's just not the LGBTQ community that is bringing down the black family structure? Where where is that coming from? I don't I don't how can we just blame one community like you know I, I don't so I'll say this so representation matters mm-hmm. so in a lot of things that I'm noticing that you see in pop culture and social media, you de- you right. do see a lot of feminization of the black male. Okay. You see that a lot in in, in, in 
popular culture. But we can't just say like, oh, that's destroying our community when you got drugs, mm-hmm. our own mindset, killing each other, jail, not wanting to be a father and raise our children, mm-hmm. you know, not wanting to work and provide for our children. Mm-hmm. All those things of not being a real man and actually standing there with your family. And then like the biggest investment that you can make as a man is who you're going to be married to and vice versa for a woman who you're going to be married to. So that control the family structure. Like, all right, if me and my spouse are on one accord, then we can have our children on one accord and get whatever we have our legacy to be. If I have six baby mamas, it's going to be <laughs> seven different opinions about what's going to happen. Mm. You know, so it's just not. That's all together. It's not the LBGQT community, you know, like it's, it's everything. And it's like, we can't blame that community for, you know, the downfall of an entire culture. No, we cannot do that. That's not fair. Cause we see that. We see, we see, we see those narratives. Um, yeah. Wow. This conversation is going good. So I got one more question. Um, I want to talk about Mary Jane. I want to talk about the weed. I want to talk about that. La la la. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about <laughs> that gelato. No, I want to talk about the decriminalization of marijuana. Um, where are we at with that? Um, because here in Illinois, I mean, these dispensaries are popping up everywhere. And what's even more irritating is there's very few black people involved. Now, I know Vic Mensa um, just, I think he opened one or is is opening one. Um, um, so, like, that's one person I know of. But What's going on with, especially with people who have charges, drug charges that are linked to marijuana? You ask me questions and you're like, you want like a short response. But so with the decriminalization of marijuana in Illinois, um, first and foremost, it's not illegal to possess small amounts of marijuana. It's not illegal. What are those amounts? um, I believe it's like. 30, less than 30 grams for personal use, okay. double check. But what, what the issue becomes, you can't smoke it in your car. You can't smoke it in public property. You can't smoke, you can only smoke it in like your house. That's like the safest place to, to smoke it is in your house. Right. So a lot of my cases, issues occur when, you know, and people are smoking it in their car they get pulled over for whatever reason and then because the officer smells marijuana they're you know they're they have access to search your vehicle and they find other stuff in your car um it's it's i think the law might have recently just changed again where like the smell of marijuana is not enough to search the car but like we're still adjusting to that um in regards to um your previous crimes for those marijuana, those are being like uh, expunged and, and removed all people records. Awesome. So that's part of the decriminalization of it. But again, we're still new in the process. So things are still changing. They're still interpreting the law. Thing I've noticed is a lot of people don't want to be the first person to do something. Mm. So like if a, the judge doesn't want to be the first person to change the law as far as like, you know what? it's illegal to search a car just based off smell or you can't do this. It's, it's, it's still fluid. So that's why, you know, we're still learning about it. I think it's, I want to know how profitable it is. I've seen so many dispensaries popping up 
Mm-hmm. How profitable is it to be, you know, an owner of a dispensary? You know, so I don't know how profitable. I know that they tax like crazy. Yeah, you gonna get taxed. Yeah, the taxing is. Um, I know for a fact the taxing is wild. Right. Um, so can you know we have a lot of entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs who might be listening and that is a business that a lot of people are getting into especially on the side of like i know people who do like the edibles right they do the cooking and like they do the edibles and that's a big thing right now um can they get in trouble for doing that could they get because i feel like a lot of people don't think they can because it's just baked goods it's just candy can you get in trouble for edibles selling if you don't have a license, you still have to have a license. You still have to have a license. Like you're, you're effectively the government wants to get that money, so you have to go through people that gotta get licensed and then have to get a, a I think a seller's license in order to have that business open. You can't just be selling it at your house. Like that's just not gonna happen. You still gonna oh, get doing cash at cash at me, Venmo me, Zelle me. That ain't working. They're not. I would say this. They're not vigorously prosecuting that type of stuff. Okay. You know, but it's not legal. Okay. It's not legal. Like you're, you need a license. You might, it might be more so, uh, and I, you'll have to ask somebody else or about that. But it might be more so just a financial fine that you might have to pay. It's okay. not going to be something you have to go to jail for. But it's not something that's, you know, legal. Like, right. Not supposed to do that. You need a license. They want to make sure that, you know, because. What if somebody dies from that? You don't know the right amount of THC that you're placing inside of these edibles. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I used to uh, smoke weed and do edibles, I remember I did an edible and I was high for two and a half days. I was like, never again. Like, <laughs> what, what is that? How can you be high for two and a half days? Like, that's oh, not even, why would you even want that? Like, you can't, you in a space where like, all right, I'm just trying to party and chill at this moment. And then two days later, you still, no. No. That's not the answer. No, that's not an answer. Because I ask that because a lot of people, you know, they get in their money. And I, I don't discount anybody who gets their money. Especially, as tech, to me, that's technically le- it's legal, but it's, I don't know. I don't find it that it's, bad. It's a gray area. It's not it's a gray, it's gray area. Yeah. But even people, what people don't understand, and I hope y'all listening to this and you're taking it for what it's worth, but even those of y'all who cook, right, and y'all be selling these dinners and these chicken dinners and these fish like you gotta, you, you gotta get a license you like, gotta have a license like, so just thinking of it in a law type like let's say i eat your your food you you set yourself out as a business you're a b and c catering you know mm-hmm. and then you set yourself as a business and culture you, cooking culture you, cooking there we go culture cooking and then you set yourself as a business you don't have a license you don't have insurance in case Ooh. something happens and then you sell this plate and not any nothing might not even be your fault but something might have happened while it was being transported and i ate your plate and i got sick i'm suing you <laughs> i'm suing you and let's say if a group of us got sick we all suing you you got no insurance. You got no malpractice insurance. You got no insurance that's covering whatever you know food insurance that they get. I'm coming for you. I want your business or your house because people don't realize that. I read somewhere. Um, it depends on where you're at, but certain places they could like seize your where you live at because you cook there. That that kitchen, like mm. if they wanted to go out, that they could. I'm coming for you. So like, you want to make sure you cover yourself. Like, yo, let me get a license. I'm a, I'm a licensed, you know, food caterer, and I have insurance in case something happens. Like, you don't. 
I, you don't. I've had a lot of cases, a few cases where people <coughs> hired me to handle situations that happen in their food business. You know, mm-hmm. stuff that happened, and it. Thank God they had insurance. Okay, so like you want to make sure if you out here, you selling these cakes, you selling this food, especially in our, you know, at churches or whatever you're doing, you want to make Ooh. sure you're covering yourself. Cover yourself. At churches. Cover yourself. Cover yourself. So, I please. Love I love it. So my last question for you, because um, you, mm, you I, I love how you approach like just everything that you do, right? Um, because you, you, you see a lot. You're a lawyer who, you know, Lizzie called you the lawyer for the people, right? Because you're relatable. We see a lot of lawyers um, who, like, you don't go ahead and you, you know, you wear your hair like you want to wear your hair. You got a beard. You dress how you want to dress, you know? Like, you're not corny. And I see, I'm trying to stop saying. Go ahead. Go ahead. Lawyers, go ahead. There's a lot of lawyers who, like, I feel like they have, you know, the really low cut bald fade, especially we're talking about black lawyers. Um, and they try to present a certain way, right? They've tried to present more to be more palatable, I feel like to more palatable to like white audiences, right? Um, why do you move like you move and you don't kind of like play the play the game? Because I know there is a game to play in your industry. I never wanted to be like them. Mm. My my conversation with God when we were doing this, my like, God. I never want to be like you. You you let me get into school. You let me be a lawyer. You put this in my heart. I never want to be like them. Even from law school, before then, I never wanted to be have to play that role of, you know, being fake and phony. And I'm like, yo, at the end of the day, your true authentic self is gonna be there at the end. Like I see these people who play this game, and I feel like they're playing a role. They don't. They're so confused as to who they are, what their identity are is. And once they get in the situations, you know, they fold because that's not who they really are. And you don't really know, like, this is who I am. Like, I'm going to come to court. I'm going to be 100% authentically me. I'm going to dress nice. I'm going to have my hair how I want it. And I'm going to kick your butt in the courtroom. And it's just, that's just who I am. And like, if somebody, if somebody wants me, they're going to get me. I'm Mm -hmm. not for everybody. And I'm comfortable being that. I'm not for everybody. I don't, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And that's fine. But, who I'm for, you know, they're going to love me. They're going to, you know, fight for me. And it's been a blessing. And I think that I, I'm able to to sustain it, that I couldn't I couldn't do this and not be happy with who I see in the mirror every morning. I couldn't do it. You know, like, I, I just, this is not how I was raised. That's not how my family raised me. That's not where I come from. You know, like, this, this is, I wanted to be here, but I also wanted to be me doing it. And that's one of the things I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I love that. And I think that's really what brings, you know, the brings the people to you and it's going to continue to bring the people to you. Um, speaking of bringing the people to you, where can people find out about what it is that you do? Where can they see your amazing content that you've been pushing? Also, I want to just like give you a shout out for the content that you've been pushing out. You've been consistent and you, you out here doing it. Thank you. Um, uh, my website, um, the firm's website, soslegalhelp.com. If you uh, want to schedule a consultation, give us a call. Our phone number is 773-217-8516. Um, you can find me on social media. I'm on Twitter at The Lawyer Guy, Instagram at The Lawyer Guy, my name, Facebook, Edward Spates. Um, I try to do TikTok. TikTok at The Lawyer Guy is just it's too much. I'm trying. TikTok is a lot. Oh. 
TikTok is over. I was going to say to you about TikTok, you could really take the same stuff that you do on Instagram and just throw it over on TikTok. No, I can't. It's just like, as soon as I open it, it's just you get bombarded with stuff. It's just like, before and I even how they have those notifications, it would be like, oh my God, all these notifications. It is overwhelming. I had a video that went really good over there and I opened it and those notifications just popping. It was like, it was something like, you, it was like 300 comments. Mm. Uh, and it was just like, okay, I'll be back I'm, later. I'm trying because it's like, it did. <laughs> I guess it's like, I don't know, like it's automatic replay. So I could just leave my phone there and just keep. So yeah. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning about it. I want to see what's the correlation from money on TikTok to like impress uh, impressions and everything like that. Because I've seen it from Instagram. I've got business from Instagram. I've got business from Facebook. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll check that. I think that's the next step. But So for TikTok, I would definitely say, so once you get to a thousand, are you there yet over there? I don't know how to check. <laughs> Knowing you. Okay. But like, so TikTok with that, once you get to a thousand, you can start slowly monetizing your page. You can do lives. So I think for you, and like during lives, they can give you like gifts and badges and all of that. For you, yeah. I think if you got on and you educated the people on live, right? Uh, like maybe once a week or whatever and give them whatever answer and question that they may have. Talk about like how we talked about the quote-unquote purge law uh like talk about those things dispelling something i think that will help people out and they might so people will be able to give gifts or not um and then obviously being able to do like brand partnerships and whatnot once you that's start that's really what i'm looking at now is okay how can i leverage this page and start doing different uh brand partnerships um because once you get your niche in um it's just a matter of being consistent over there I'm going to do it. I'm going to start working on TikTok. <laughs> because I'm really, especially October, like this next three, well, y'all will hear this after October, y'all. But uh, the last three months of the year, my thing has been really heavy on discipline. And I'll share this with the audience. Like really being disciplined for the remainder of this year. And like a lot of the stuff that we wanted in 2020, we know everybody thought 2020 was going to be like, oh, this is my year, yeah. double vision, double portion, yeah. whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of that is definitely coming for 2023, but you got to be, we got to be super, 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 super disciplined and intentional. So like one thing that I've been really focusing on is um, going all in, whether it's the gym, whether it's my study time, my TikTok. So like my goal is to post three TikToks, two to three TikToks every single day for the rest of the year. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And I'm pushing myself to do it because they, I know I can do it, but there's been days where I was like, oh, you know, I don't, uh, I'm in a bad mood today. I'm in the mood. I'm not going to do anything. Right. But I tell clients this, I say, you got to feel like it even when you don't feel like it, but I don't necessarily do it myself. And a lot of the times, uh, a lot of the times the things that we want, we can have, we just did the work. It goes back to that doing the work. So yeah, um, I'm the goal is to have like hit 10K by the end of the year over there. So we're going to wow. see. Okay. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it, bro. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank y'all guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Lizzie, you need to be on here because you, you asked some great questions. I love you. Oh, Lizzie, she always be. Is on the show. So one thing before we go, I'm gonna bring Lizzie back up. Bring her back up, Lizzie. Hey, How you hey. Doing? thank you. I'm good. I actually it's have an, one other question. Yes, I do. <laughs> 
Okay, so um, I don't know if this falls under personal injury, but I've been thinking about um, as there's like more food shortages coming or like a water, you know, food like rations even or water systems that are taken down. If people are living in those kind of areas, what would you say they should document or would be the best thing for them to do? when that like what's happening in Mississippi even right or in that's been happening in Flint forever but like more of that's coming down the line so what should people do to document what's health-wise happening to them so later that they can say like hey this this is real it affected me um so you're hearing something prophetically oh my god oh, I, I, I promise, I'm sorry yeah I promised it earlier this um, year like, and it's think, really serious I think what what they've already been doing um you want to make sure that especially on a personal level like this is when this started this is what's been going on this is how it's affecting me this is how it's affecting me financially like mm. okay i'm not able to uh you know this is what i have to pay in order for water this is what i have to pay in order like where i'm going somewhere else to get this um the water that i need for showers or food and things like that and then like if it's affecting you uh health-wise like, this is what document that, like, you know what, I'm, you know, losing my hair or I'm getting lesions and I'm having to pay this out of pocket for, for doctor's appointments and things. All that stuff adds up. All that stuff adds up. And God forbid, like, it, it becomes serious long-term issues. You're documenting everything, like time, date, this is what's going on. And even, you know, like video evidence and, you know, just saving everything. It's, it's tough. Um, even if you're forced to leave the area, like, you know what? I had to move. Mm -hmm. Document that. I still want to sue later, but I had to move because I'm I'm physically not able to stay in the area. Document everything. And, you know, when you get to that point, like, all right, I want to file suit against, you know, it might be probably going to be a class action suit where they mm -hmm. settle with everybody, but this is what happened for me personally. Yeah. I just think it's important and that, you know, it may not even be for this episode, but whenever it comes people like you having the voice. So even as I heard you um, talking about social media, it's like, you know, that career, the career day, right? Like I've done those and that my table's always full, <clears throat> but I feel like people are canceling out their calling because there are people like you that can be a representative mm -hmm. online for like what it really looks like to be a lawyer. And, um, kind of making it more attainable. So when Micah's talking about you being relatable, I really feel like that's something for your life to look at, even though social media can be overwhelming. Like just seeing you there with how you style yourself will make more people interested, even mm -hmm. though the draw is still to fame and fortune that way. It's like having a purpose by seeing yourself in these spaces. So I'm really excited for your journey. And I uh, love the conversation you guys had today. I hear you. I hear you. Awesome. You. All right, y'all. Well, you have listened to another week of Combos for the Culture. It feels good to be back in this brand new season, season two. If you missed any of season one, make sure that you go back and listen. There's 50 episodes for y'all to go and binge. Make sure that you leave a rating and review and all of that. And we will see you next week.